baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Dana and Parks podcast on KMBZ. Uh, Yes, Taylor Swift is always in the news. Uh, She is ending 2023 with a very good year. Um, Has nothing to do with Travis Kelsey or anything like that. Spotify is reporting that Swift is the platform's most streamed artist of the year. And she is earning just off that one platform alone. One hundred million dollars in 2023 i need not remind you in 2015 she boycotted the platform pulling all of her music from the platform claiming that she didn't make any money off of it well they weren't she and other artists weren't and i think she led the charge there well also part of that for her was she had signed away the rights on her first six records. Well, fair. Is, is it that right why Garth Brooks was never on any of those platforms? He might be now, but well, for years he was not. Spotify did not budge on their percentage paying to artists. Taylor Swift backed out, realized she kind of liked the money she was getting, even though it wasn't a whole lot, mm-hmm. and quickly returned to the platform. I, I have a friend, I won't bore you with who it is, but he's had he had one top 40 hit in his entire life that he okay. held right. And you know it's the writers who get the money. Yeah. So maybe that's why Garth didn't want his stuff on. He doesn't write his own stuff. Hmm. Um, but I asked my friend, I said, I said, do you guys get you know a decent amount? Because radio pays the writers of songs. It's not a lot, but it, it's yeah. it's deep. You can make a living as a songwriter just off radio play. And he said, dude, and that's actually the word he used, dude. Uh, he goes, We make so, Spotify is so cheap. They they pay us so little. There is no way that I could, even though I've got a top 40 hit, right. it's a big song, you would know it if you heard it, uh, he said there's no way that I make enough money off of that writing that song and it being streamed millions and millions and millions of times. But even then. Could, still couldn't live off Because it's fractions of a penny yeah. on the dollar. Yeah. You want to take a ballpark guess on how much you make per play think, per song? I believe he told me he makes one one-hundredth of a penny. It's three one-hundredths of a penny. Okay. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, not a lot. Not taking that check to the bank to cash it. Costs more than gas to get to the bank. Right. And, and and if somebody else is on the writing credit with you, <laughs> then you're splitting that nav. Now you're getting six one hundredths of a penny. Difficult way to yeah. cut up a penny. Oh, it's already cut up. Don't you worry, <laughs> yeah, sir. No trouble there. All right, I got a flash back, flash forward for all of you that are around Scots in my age. After 40 years. So 1983, okay. The TV movie that destroyed Lawrence but may have saved the world will be re-examined. And this is by Randy Mason and Monty Davis of the Kansas City Star. On November 20th, 1983, ABC Television aired The Day After. My kid. We're still on alert, Billy. No one leaves this facility. Oh, come Not on, until man. The Who are you kidding? you kidding me, man? The bombs will be here before the choppers, Will. Listen, damn. Listen to me, man. The war is over. It's over. We've done our job. God, that scared me to death when I was a child. Scared us all. A documentary by Jeff Daniels called Television Event 
chronicles the many challenges that the directors and crew faced while filming the unthinkable in and around Lawrence, Kansas, Mm -hmm. and the Cold War era skirmishes required to keep it on a network TV schedule. Even the Reagan White House chimed in regularly. Hmm. So on Monday, December uh, 4th, that's today, 40 years and two weeks after the film drew an astonishing 100 million viewers. 100 million viewers. That's incredible. On November 20th, 1983, the documentary filmmaker will screen his documentary at Liberty Hall tonight in Lawrence. There's a Q&A um, that's coming after. And a visit this week to the University of Kansas' Spencer Research Library found a number of artifacts and memorabilia from the production, like an elaborate poster, reels of film and still photos, including scenes from inside Allen Fieldhouse and the, quote, tent city built along the Kansas River in that movie. So the movie is a day after. The documentary is called Television Event. They call it oddly funny, absolutely riveting, and a wild ride. You said Jeff Dan- the Jeff Daniels is behind uh, this? Or of an else? actor of not the same name, it said. Okay, Sorry. Right. That, that could be actually very interesting. There are deleted scenes uh, from the original movie. Now, that would be one. Well, it wouldn't make sense anymore. I was going to say, that would be a, a movie that I would love to see remade. Well, does it hold up if you went back and watched it today, I guess, is the question. Obviously, before cell phones and computers, but does it still hold? I don't know. know. Um, They interviewed Lawrence resident Bob Swan Jr., who embodies a different aspect of the movie's legacy, inspired by a scene of downtown devastation just a block from his insurance office. Swan embarked on a mission of citizen diplomacy. What began by inviting a group of Russian athletes to the Kansas Relays evolved into a series of events and exchanges that took him to the Soviet Union 35 times. Hmm. Isn't that cool? Uh, It won two Emmy Awards, received 10 Emmy nominations. All I remember was brown water. I somehow remember none of the water was safe to drink. Oh, you don't remember this iconic scene of the uh, mushroom cloud over K-10? And then there's Weavers in in one. Did they shut down Mass Street to shoot that and KU? Well, my guess would be they probably did it. Well, look at the trees. There's leaves on them. So they probably did it in the summer when school would have been out. Wouldn't have been as many people to worry about. I don't remember the movie as much as I remember. I was terrified watching it. And as a child, no one sat down and explained to me that, yes, while we're in the middle of this Cold War, you know, you really don't need as a seven-year-old or however old I was at the time to be crying yourself to sleep worried that missiles are coming because I remember just being terrified. Well, see, when we were growing up, uh, it was we were always right next to very large military bases. And we knew if there was ever a nuclear war like that, we gone. We gone. You you weren't ducking your head under your desk. Well, and, they, like the teacher would say, God. just just cowl up in a little ball underneath your desk and it'll be fine uh no it won't so the bases we were always at were like big ones like fort benning ranger school fort hood largest base in the free world fort richardson alaska right next to russia and heidelberg the headquarters of the u.s army in europe everywhere we went we would have been destroyed at the time the day after was the seventh highest rated non-sports show up until then and then listen to this in 2009 it set a record as the highest-rated television film 
in history. Hmm. Uh, somebody says, what movie are you guys talking? The movie was called The Day After, and most of it was filmed in Lawrence or in the area around Lawrence. And it stars, among others, Steve Gutenberg is in it. Uh, you oh, that's right. From the Police Academy movies. Um, trying to see if there are any other big names in this movie. K- keep looking. The film is about a fictional war between NATO forces and the Warsaw Pact over Germany that rapidly escalates into a full-scale nuclear exchange between the United States and the Soviet Union. The film itself focused on residents of Lawrence, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri, as well as several family farms near American missile silos. Uh, John uh, John Lithgow's in it. Joe Beth well. Williams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty decent cast. I, I remember watching it. Uh, we were young. The film was broadcast, Scott, on Soviet state television in 1987 during the negotiations on Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty. The producers demanded the Russian translation conform to the original script and the broadcast not be interrupted by commentary. Uh, Odd, because the Soviet Union still existed at that time. Uh, You will hear about a hospital in Kansas City, Missouri in that film. You will hear about Harrisonville, Missouri. (laughs) Certainly KU. I remember that because they filmed it outside of uh, Wesco. Well, there's even aerial shots over the football field. I can still remember seeing the football field. Hmm. Anyway, the filming is tonight at the Liberty Hall Theater right there on the corner next to uh, Free State. Eighth and Mass. Seventh and Mass, yeah. And then I wonder when it will be released. I want to watch it. Have you not seen it since the 80s? Oh, God, no. I don't even know where you would Uh, find it. I pulled that clip off of YouTube. They had the entire movie on YouTube right now. Really? No, all two hours of it. It was a blockbuster. All right, well, it was the original blockbuster. How is it still the highest-rated television film in history? When was when was the last time you watched a TV movie? You know that isn't six parts. Yeah, or or Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown, mm-hmm. or on Lifetime. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> anyway, the film again is called. Well, it's the day it's after the day that after. It is the film. The uh, documentary that you are looking for is called Television Event. Yeah. And, and there's a big build. If I remember right, there's a big build up at the beginning to, you know, where you end up about midway through the movie. I think that's when the bombs start falling. And then a lot of the movie takes place underground or in demolished building. You know, because yeah. the, that, that's the whole premise of it. It was the day after a nuclear holocaust between the United States and the Soviet Union. All right, cool. Um, she's Dana Wright. I go over there, Sam Stevie the Third. My name is Scott here on KMVZ. Story here out of Los Angeles, where a Los Angeles man suspected of shooting to death three men last week as they slept alone and homeless in the city is expected to appear in court sometime this afternoon over another alleged killing. That would be four alleged killings. Jared Joseph Powell, age 33, was arrested last Wednesday in connection with the fatal shooting of a man during a robbery in nearby San Dimas. Investigators using intelligence technology then linked him to the killings that same week of three men in Los Angeles. 
The killings targeted some of the city's most vulnerable residents as police believed the suspect walked up to the men and just shot them as they slept on sidewalks or in alleys, one near Skid Row in Los Angeles, home to one of the nation's largest homeless populations. The spree prompted the city to deploy hundreds of workers and partners late last week to warn homeless residents that a killer was on the loose. These killings all occurred very early in the morning, between 2.30 and 5 a.m. Investigators say they have yet to identify a motive. Yeah. Why? Hmm. Are they calling this a serial killer? Uh, here's or, why I think they're leaning toward or, that. Or hate crime. Both. We know it's three victims so far. Two of them were just sleeping, Scott. They were just asleep. Hmm. I don't believe there are only going to be three. There are several other unsolved. Well, there's a fourth yeah. that happened earlier in the week that he, they, they, they want him for, too. What do we know about him? Because what's terrifying about this is if you look at the timeline, it was four murders in four days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Started a week ago yesterday and ended on Wednesday. Um, so 33-year-old Jared Joseph Powell was already in custody for another murder that happened the same week. Mm-hmm. He was actually arrested Wednesday for a botched robbery that killed a man named Nicholas Simon about 28 miles east of L.A. Uh, it took them to Saturday to connect him to the other murders of the homeless men using his car and the murder weapon, a gun that they say they found inside the car. There's no way there's just going to be four. Probably not. Mm-hmm. It says here, authorities said Powell's arrest was possible due to Beverly Hills automatic vehicle license plate scanners. Uh, you guys have heard about them. They're yep. semi-controversial. Uh, says the Los Angeles Sheriff, Sheriff Robert Luna, if we did not enter that plate into the system, this individual that we believe is responsible for at least four murders may have been out there and reoffended. So less than 24 hours before Powell was arrested, he shot and killed a man named 42-year-old Nicholas Cymbalon, who was not homeless and was found dead in the garage of his home 28 miles east of L.A. That's believed to be a, a robbery, according to police. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't know what to add to this other than what a shame. Is it the automatic license plate reader system where police officers go by with that whirly bird thing I, I that think, reads I, it as they're going I think, by? I think, I think what it does is it just shoots out a signal in front of the police vehicle. The way I understand the technology, and I've never seen it. I just had a, a, an officer try to explain it to me one time, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know who you're talking to? Um, where it sends out some sort of signal from the officer's car and it pings on certain license plates of people that own that car or, sure. or may have been using that car that are ne'er-do-wells. Okay, but you don't have an expectation of privacy on a public street when you're driving around in any car. T- technically, no, but you also have the right not to be pulled over unless they've given you've given them a reason and if you committed the murders in my car and now I'm driving my car I'm being pulled over and I didn't do anything wrong 
888-978-5867798. They call it ALPR technology. And this is from a law firm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do they like Raising serious civil rights and civil liberties concerns. Oh, yeah. um, 83% of U.S. adults drive a car at least several times a week. And when you do so, you leave a data trail. ALPRs, automatic license plate readers, Mm -hmm. police can now receive alerts about a car's movements in real time and review past movements at the touch of a button. Oh, so it keeps a database. ALPRs could prove valuable in police investigations and for non-law enforcement uses, like helping government agencies reduce traffic, curb environmental pollution, but legal and policy developments have failed to adequately address the risks posed by the highly invasive technology. I think this is more than just the reader as the officer goes by, if they can also track where you've been prior. Well, that makes me think that it would have to be a camera, cameras. And computers. That are, yeah, of course. But something has to be able to, it's not like they put one of those. Um, yeah. Well iPad, or not iPad. Well, here it is. Automated license plate readers use a combination of cameras and computer software to indiscriminately scan the license plates of every car passing by. The readers, which can be mounted on stationary poles, moving lines. police cruisers, and even handheld devices, log the time and date of each scan, the GPS coordinates, and pictures of the car. Hmm. I don't like it. Well, you got an Amber Alert. It's going to find that car in a nanosecond. If every city is doing it, yeah. Or you just get to see him drive out of the city and then out into the country, and now we don't know where he is. The issue comes in, I think, because they're storing the data. In addition to checking data in real time, many cities and agencies retain plate information for future use. Hmm. If it was like on a 48-hour window where if something happens... Yeah, you can go back. Then you say, all right, let's go back and figure out where this guy came from. Um, I don't like that. Nope, I'm going to stop you right there. There is a serial rapist on the loose in Kansas City, and they know that one of the victims is now connected to another victim uh, three weeks ago. And we're looking for a car that was near 47th and Euclid, Three weeks ago at 4 a.m. The problem becomes when one person who has access to all this information yep. starts suspecting his wife of having an affair. Or their husband's at a strip club. Yep. <sighs> 913-586-7798. But the Amber Alert, it's very helpful. 586-7798. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We'll get our next traffic report here in about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, but uh, if you are driving east of downtown, let, let me rephrase because I'm going to start naming directions and confuse everybody. If you're headed westbound on I-70 between 435 and the east side and downtown, there is a bad wreck in or some sort of activity in the Benton Curve. And westbound I-70 is shut down and will be for some time. So keep that in mind. If that's part of your commute home or you're going downtown from the east side, westbound I-70 is shut down at the Benton Curve. And a friend of mine, sorry, Sam, just a minute ago said, what is going on? There is a huge police presence out there. They've closed the highway. The backup is four miles. That is a fatal wreck to have been confirmed dead. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Oh, my. All right, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. The next traffic update coming up at about 4.50 from Mage. Uh, We're talking about this Los Angeles man, and they have stopped short of calling him a serial killer for now. His name is Jared Joseph Powell. He's 33 years old. He is accused and arrested in connection with a robbery that turned fatal in San Dimas, which is east of L.A., but they also believe that this man... In the same week, all last week, by the way, over a four-day period, killed three homeless men early in the mornings last week in Los Angeles, one of them even on the infamous Skid Row in Los Angeles. Now, the license plate reader led them to this individual, and then after that, they found the gun in the car that then matched the gun used in the killings of the, the homeless men. If you look at these ALPRs around the country, one survey indicates that in 2016 and 2017 alone, 173 law enforcement agencies were using them, collectively scanning 2.5 billion license plates. According to the DOJ, 93% of police departments in cities with populations of 1 million or more use their own systems, some of which can scan nearly 2,000 license plates per minute but are they interconnected systems i don't believe so and then if you're using your own i don't believe so so on on big cases like an amber alert or something like that um or you have a fugitive on the run hence they're a fugitive they're on the run scott um if the cities aren't communicating how if if that person that never do well leaves town how do you follow them to the next town you do realize, playing devil's advocate here, for anyone who says, I don't want the government knowing where I am, that every single time you hop on I-70 on a toll road, they know exactly where you are. Although a toll road is a quasi-public entity, I think. You don't think that data is stored? Sure, sure it is. It's going completely electronic, by the way, in 2024. Have you seen the signs on the way into Lawrence? No. It is going completely oh, electronic where, in 2024. Where, they, where they'll just send you a bill. Yes. Texas has already done it. So keep in mind, anytime, starting next year, you are on I-70 on the way to Lawrence or Topeka, 
they are going to know and store for some amount of time mm-hmm. your car going through there. Doesn't mean they know you are going through there, but they sure as heck are going to know your car no, is I, going through. I, I got my first bill for that. Uh, Maya went down to Texas a couple of months ago, and I told her when you get down to Texas, just keep driving on that toll road. I'll pay the bill when, when it gets yep. when it gets here. I got my bill from the uh, North Texas Transit Authority yep. last week. It was nine dollars. Uh, Ryan in Ottawa, five eight six. Seven seven nine eight. Hello, Ryan. I'll tell you, you don't want to go through the tunnels in New York because that thing's about twenty bucks a shot going either way. I'll be there. Swear to God, it's like watching the National Deficit if you realize how many cars go through those things. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, the the you know, government doesn't need to know what I'm doing or anything. And I agree with Dana. They they already know. They've been doing it for a while. It's a great use for you know the situation you guys talked about. But also, it's pretty good for getting your car back, because that's how I got my car back about 15 years ago. They were driving through a uh, parking lot, and my license plate was still on it. And they downloaded the, you know, all the place they were looking for, alerted. They followed them, pulled them over, found out that my car was being used through a uh, network of stolen vehicles that were just getting traded off from one to another. And it I got my car back in about four days. Let me do it. So, it, you know, it's it's like anything else computerized. It's only as good to the person that's using it. Yeah, and, and I wonder who would be opposed to this. Uh, I, I might be one of them. I haven't decided yet. Because, Danny, you bring up some good points. You know, what about, oh, we, we now realize that the this rape that occurred here is connected, we believe, to a rape that occurred four months ago. And one that occurred seven months ago and eight months ago. Do we have a serial rapist? Well, we got a license plate on this last one of somebody running out of the apartment. Let's find out if this guy was also at the scene of three other rapes. So what is what is your time expiration mm. on license plate data storage? <sighs> or should there even be any? I struggle with that, Scott. And you're right. You don't have a right, you don't have a right to drive. That is a privilege. I think we've all agreed wh- whether you like it or not, it's a privilege given to you by the state. Having said that, do you not have a right to move freely and without constant government view? Mm. Now you would argue you don't fly without the government yeah, knowing where and, you're and, going. And driving around a public street, I would say no. This isn't any different than officers out on patrol looking for your car or putting up on the highway scout camera sign. We have an Amber Alert. Everyone look for a blue Dodge with this license plate. Mm-hmm. This is just a much faster way to find the needle in the haystack that they are looking for. Now, how many times in the past have we talked about other sorts of government intrusion, air quotes, where the government's going through people's cell phone data to ping where they were? Well, that's all information that is stored. But more often than not, the government agency involved, usually a police department, needs to get a warrant to get your ping data information. What if there was a compromise? All of this license plate reader stuff, yeah. while active, while, while it's going on live, you know, they're scanning and scanning. Do, 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 do
Uh, let's go find him. He's over here at, you know, 150th and no, I don't know, whatever. And okay, fine, let's go. But after a day or two, it's handed over to a private company that holds and keeps that information. And if the police wanted it, they'd have to go get a warrant to get it out. They're going to give up their own information to then have to re-warrant it to get it back out? You want me to trust you or not? Mm. The issue with them keeping your data is going to take care of itself in some form or fashion because the cost of this system is not with the system. Like everything else, it is with the data storage. Mm -hmm. So this is my guess. You would not be able to afford a computer system big enough in the world to constantly just store the data from five years ago. Now, how long do they keep it? How long does KTAG keep it? I'd love to know. I have no idea. How long does KTAG know that I drove to Lawrence two weeks ago for one of the games and to see my daughter? Hopefully until or unless you pay your bill and then they erase it. Mm, I think you're wrong. I, I think I am too. But that would be my preference is once I pay that bill, you go into the system, you type in my account number on that one bill, and it get my movement gets erased. And then nobody knows that I'm a KU basketball fan and I don't have tickets. 913-586-7798. 586-7798. We'll get to more of your calls, your comments in just a moment here on Dana and Parks. All right, let's try to grab as many as we can before the top of the hour. Uh, Major will have an update on that situation on westbound I-70 near the Benton Curve. It is shut down. Uh, coming up in his traffic report at 5.03. Kara in North Kansas City. Kara, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Scott and Dana. Hope Hi. you're having a good day. Um, my question is, is that um, the previous uh, caller alluded to this, and you have said this too, Scott, that, um, you know, about the government having your too much info on you and all that. I don't understand why people feel that way because I, I haven't done anything wrong. So I don't care if the government wants to know. They know all they want about me if I'm not doing anything wrong. And so I don't understand the big issue with, well, you might know too much about you. Uh, can, I, can I answer that? Yeah. Do you guys yeah. mind? Uh, I, I haven't done anything wrong either, and I don't want the government just willy-nilly going through my emails this afternoon, even though you would be bored to tears. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be careful giving up that um, the right that you have, the freedoms that we enjoy from the government in America. And I know that it's tempting to say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you might say that today, Kara, and then accidentally, and I hope you don't, uh, rob a bank tomorrow. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you never know what's, what's going to happen. And I think we've got to be careful giving up too many freedoms, even electronically, even though I am torn on this one because I see this as not necessarily a violation of privacy. It is just a much electronically faster way mm -hmm. of finding a suspect when mm -hmm. you are looking for a suspect. Yep. But but they're casting a very wide net to do it. They're casting a net of one million cars, mm -hmm. maybe looking for 10 that are stolen. And, and I, I, I might butcher this. Uh, old saying a little bit, but I'll be close enough to be dangerous. If you give up freedom for protection, you lose both. Yeah. Right. And, um, but let's be honest, guys. Let's be honest with each other. The government knows an incredible amount about you, not consciously, but almost subconsciously. They know exactly. If they needed to go look. Sure. They know exactly where you live. They know exactly where you have lived. 
They know exactly how much money you make. They know, in some instances, when you travel. If you get on a plane, the government knows, and they know exactly where you went. Did you just drop a Ben Franklin quote? I might have. I think he did. I think Those he did. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary <laughs> safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Okay. Thank you, so, Benjamin Franklin. So I put, a I put, terrible <laughs> Benjamin Franklin <laughs> impression, I, by the way. I put a 2023 shortened version yeah. together. I love it. Uh, Shane and Olathe. Shane, hi. I thought that impersonation was absolutely spot on. It sounded exactly like him. Um, so I, you would think that coming from my background in law enforcement and being behind the curtain that I would be a little more skeptical, but I look at it as a tool and I, and I, I agree. You don't want to give up all your freedoms. And I think it depends on how much or what they're using it for. Um, if you remember, Kind of similarly, that's how they caught John Berkowitz. Is they did a canvas, and somebody said, "Hey, I, I, I there was a car here that got a, a, a ticket, you know, a parking ticket for parking too close to a, a fire hydrant, I believe." Um, and they were able to go back and find out that he had had more than one. So, you know, if you're talking about a serial rapist, serial killer, serial whatever. You know, and, and Scott, you're absolutely right. They know anyway. Yep. You know, every, but every one of us has a GPS stuck to our hip right now. You know, they, you know, the, the phone companies know exactly where we are. If we, if I jump on a plane, I have to give government ID to do so. Yeah. So, so, so I, I just think that I'm not like, hey, I'm and Shane, you're cutting out, but I want you to continue listening off the air because if they were really spying on us with these license plate readers to the extent that people are worried that they are, we would never have another silver alert missing man in a truck wandered away from home again. And we have silver alerts yep. constantly in this town. No one has seen Bob. He left in a truck. We can't find him. Three days later, they still can't find him. I don't think they're using this. <laughs> it's not that they're actively spying. You know, as, as often as we think, or we'd never have another stolen car that hasn't been recovered. Mm. It's all they would be doing. Quick break for the news. She's Dana Wright. That guy over there is Sam Stevie Third. He's a fine, fine American. And my name is Scott Parks here on KMBZ. We'll see you on the other side. Important traffic update coming up for Major Miles in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at KMBZ.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.